0: This
1: week is the Torah T. is the portion is tzav. Uh Tzavis Arin, instruct Aaron. Rashi immediately says, uh, "What is the opening is a little bit also a little bit different than the usual opening." Usually, the Torah opens up. It says, "By Daber Hashem El Moshe LeMor, God speaks to Moshe for him to say, and then he should say." Doesn't have to. It should say what he should say. uh uh But here it opens up after it says the first line. It says Tzav as means instruct. What, 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 why is this a you know a Godish? says speak to them, tell them. Why does it mean instruct? So Rashi says that it is an encouragement over here. So the parsha gives us encouragement and gives us sort of a push. Tzav And the Rashi explains, sometimes we need a push, sometimes we need to be an extra push, especially, it says, when it comes to uh, a loss, Uh, some, especially when it comes to a financial loss, Rashi explains, Rashi is a financial loss, which means, uh, you know, at at the temple, they brought various different offerings. Some offerings was, were entirely burnt on the Mizbeach, so the uh, the kohen who did the service, he ended up getting nothing from the whole. Uh, he just burnt an offering in the mizbech. He didn't even get a piece of meat out of the deal. He didn't get any any part of it. It was all burnt. A uh, kohen can sometimes feel, you know, well, listen, I worked so hard, I serve the other person. You know, rabbis feel like that too sometimes. <laughs> he says, I worked so hard and I helped this other person bring his korban and I did so much for them and I don't even get, you know, not even uh, not even a thank you. <laughs> you know so it's sometimes the Kohen might get cold feet and say, Hey, why am I why am I doing this? you know, who wants to serve in the temple? So Rashi says, that's why Hashem is encouraging them, say, Tzav, Ez Israel. sometimes when, you see, when you're eating a, a shlomim, a piece, that you get a piece of meat out of there, you get the skin, you get the leather, you get the, you know, the one who brings the carbon, he's the one that gets something out of it, so that it's easier. I mean, that may be by an oil too, but the point is here, we always need to be encouraged. Which is also, you know, there is a tradition in the uh, community is that before uh, Pesach the rabbi gives a Shabbos to Russia You know, the Shabbos that comes before Pesach is called Shabbat haggadol the big Shabbos. Well, maybe some rabbis make every Shabbos a long speech so it's maybe it's a Shabbos Hagodol. <laughs> every Shabbos, but this Shabbos is like called the Shabbat haggadol the big Shabbos. Why is it called the big Shabbos? It's because it was a great miracle that happened. And the Rebbe explains this, you know, from the Shulchan Aruch. It says that what happened was, as the Jews were uh, tying the lamb to their beds, and the Egyptians started asking, "What is it that you're doing?" And the Jewish people told them, "Well, God is taking the Jews out of Egypt, but first He's going to kill all the firstborn." And the firstborn weren't too uh, happy about what's going to happen, and they saw that. Moshe Rabbeinu's threats did come true, so they were worried. So they said to the Egyptians, enough is enough, let the Jews go because we don't want to die. And the Egyptian says, no, we're not letting them go. So they started a fight between themselves. Uh, in the verse in the Talim that says, one in the Halal uh, over there in chapter 136, it says, 135, 136, don't remember one of them. So it says over there, Lamaki Mitzrayim bivcherei, the one who smit the Egyptians with their firstborn, so they had a big fight over there. There was a big, so that was like a miracle that happened on the tenth day of Nisan It was established for Shabbos because tenth day of Nisan is also the death of Miriam, this Moshe's sister, and some people fasted that day, so they didn't want it, so they made it. They, they made it on the Shabbos. Called it Shabbos Hagodol the great miracle. And Rabbi explains, well, so what's such a great miracle? Okay, they're fighting, you know, they're fighting each other. You know, you see sometimes, you know, you need in in, in, in the ecosystem around this, you know, when the uh, the human gets involved, a lot of times he, he disrupts, you know, the way it's supposed to work things, you know, the nature, the way Hashem makes it, and when, man, might gets involved, you know, sometimes, you know, like we had the uh, Iranians and the Iraqis, they were fighting each other, and they kept each other in, in check, basically, until America mixed in over there. <laughs> and made, you know, if we stayed out of there, they would take care. That was the natural way, you know, this one was that one, you know, they would stay, and keep, you know, Now we have, now we have this ISIS and this ISIS and and all the casualties and all the, the, the things under the, you know, uh, WMD, you know, weapons of mass destruction, you know, we went in and everything. So sometimes getting involved in nature the way things go is not good. We have to let things run the way they are. But so drevi asks the bottom line is, what is it the Egyptians were smitten by the first war, they fought of it. So so what? So what 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 is this a reason to celebrate? Why do we call that a great? What do we call that a great miracle? So what's the great miracle? Did it do anything for the Jews? They didn't let the Jews out, anyways. So they were killing each other, but they didn't let the Jews out. So it didn't have any uh, any practical uh, results any practical applications. But it said, you know, it explains, it shows that the forces were already softening that the firstborn, in other words, the Egyptians themselves were fighting for the Jewish release already. So there was like a, so even though that didn't bring any practical result directly, but that was the lead up to all of the Egyptians letting them go afterwards. So it is significant. But that's not I want to discuss, but I want to say that on Shabbos, the rabbis have a, a tradition that they give a Shabbos Hagodol droshe. They give a sermon, especially for Shabbos Hagodl. Now, what are they supposed to talk in the sermon? So, part of the sermon, so the uh, uh, the Ra'alt Rebbe, the, the Shulchan Aruch he writes over there. He says two things: you have to tell the people. What do you talk about your sermon in 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 Pesach? First of all, you tell the people the laws that they must do tell them about Pesach, how to kosher, what they must eat, the matzah, the leaning, the wine, the, you know, the various, the Moror, the harosah, and the only different laws that apply to it, that's, that's one thing. But he says something else. You also must teach them the path that they should follow. So the asks, what, what is this, this path that they should follow? What, what, what is it in addition to doing the laws, we're saying there's a path to follow? What kind of path to follow is there? What, what, what are these two things? The laws and a path to follow. The other thing is, it says also that this is the drasha, this is the uh, sermon that the rabbi gives before Pesach. But there's also another sermon the rabbi gives before sukkis. Uh That's given on Shabbos Teshuvah. The Shabbos Teshuvah, the rabbi is also a Shabbos Teshuvah sermon. And again, What does the rabbi speak over there in that sermon? Teach the halachas of the laws of sukkahs. Teach the halachas of... uh, and teach them the way. So, What is this that we're teaching them over there, especially besides the laws? Now, why don't we have Yom Kippur, or why don't we have like Shavuos, the same thing? Okay, because really Yom Kippur and Shavuos are just Yom which, you know, we don't need a Yom Kippur, but do only, like as far as the yomtov, it's you know, it's everything is privileged. just like every shop, as every yomtov, you can't do anything on on Yom Kippur. You have to fast, and um, so the the laws of keeping are, are are basically the same. So, but the Rebbe he wants to discuss what is the path. So here is the Rebbe brings out a very interesting idea. Um, you know, this is something a uh, a debate which goes on for a long time the Tanya and the Alter Rebbe has a big discussion about this as well. So, what is the more important part is the most important part the practical mitzvah, just to do the mitzvah, in other words, do the act. If a person we know, if a person will sit and you know, will love God, and he'll uh, have awe of God, and he'll have all the great ideas But they don't do the practical mitzvah. They've not performed the mitzvah. They haven't done the mitzvah. On the other hand, if they do the mitzvah and they have no intention at all, they just do it. Just do it. They fulfill the mitzvah. So the mitzvah, and the reason Al-Drevi explains at the time, why is that? Why, Why is it in such a way? Because he says the goal of the mitzvah is to refine the physical, the material, the actual doing. So is the actual act, while your connection to God may be much greater on a selfish level uh, to achieve greatness, but that's for yourself. But the purpose is like we would say that uh, there is a fire burning out there and you uh saying I'm too busy to help put out the fire because I'm busy uh, studying or I'm busy uh, connecting with God and therefore I'm not going to do anything about it in the practical sense. That's not the purpose. We are here to make a difference in people's lives and that's why people who just want to separate themselves, like they want to study Torah, and they want to do mitzvahs and they don't want to share with the community, they don't want to share with other people, they're actually um, denying people uh, the uh, knowledge and the connection with Hashem because they're just taking care of themselves. It's very, very, uh, very selfish in the sense they just wanted themselves to feel good but they don't want to help you know other people there, they don't want to be there for other people. Um, you know there is a verse actually what says um, if you see somebody getting hurt physically you know, physically the, the, the verse talks about. it says one is not permitted to stand idly by if you see somebody getting hurt you see somebody being attacked by someone or you see somebody drowning or you see someone in a in a, in a place of trouble you can't say it's not my business, you know, You know what happens to him? You must take a stand. That's on the very physical level, but you can extend this, and the Talmud extends it to the spiritual level. So, same thing is with mitzvahs and with anything we do, that while it's very good to be spiritual, and while it's very good to be holy, but the bottom line is we have to do things in the very practical way, in the mitzvahs, in the act of mitzvahs. So, so people say, so why need this? So why be inspired at all? Why do we need to be excited about mitzvahs? Why do we need to uh, do mitzvahs with love of Hashem? Why do we need them? Why do we need that? Let's just do the mitzvahs and forget about anything else. So the Rebbe explains that uh, in order for mitzvahs to be viable, in order to do them, you must have a feeling for them and you must do it with excitement. Otherwise, what's going to happen? Uh, if a person is not interested, if a person has his interest elsewhere, besides the fact that you're missing out a lot because then you're just doing it and you're missing all your inside, <coughs> your, your inner powers besides that, but eventually what's going to happen is you're going to stop doing it either. You're not going to keep on doing Why? Because if you're not aspiring, so let's say you have, and as you see that in reality, you know people have, if they like to watch television or if they like to surf the net or they like to do other stuff. So eventually they don't have time, whether it's for a class, whether it's for the menian, or whether it's for something else, because it's not their interest. So uh, eventually, if you're not really interested in it then first you're going to just do it, okay. Of course, you're not going to try to do it in the most perfect way. You're not going to try to do it in uh, with a hidr, With You're just going to get it over with because you're not really interested. You're just doing it because you're sort of forced to do so. But furthermore is eventually you're going to stop doing it either if you're not excited about it. I think that one of the reasons why... Uh, People are having, you know, a hard time today with the younger generation, with uh, keeping the traditions and uh, having, you know, like the Seder, for example, is exciting. Seder is like always, there's a lot going on and there's wine and matzah, it's animated, there's question. So you see a lot, a lot of people keep the Seder, even if they don't do other things, they'll keep the Seder. 'Cause the Seder is exciting. The family comes and when it comes, it's there's excitement, there it's life force. People enjoy it, so they do it, even if they don't do anything else. But they'll come, they'll do a Seder. Seder is something which brings them enjoyment. Right? But what happens is that in other things, you know, to come to the temple to listen to a boring sermon of the rabbi which is not I never find Which ever. is not what? I never find Well don't no, okay. Well <laughs> you don't, but some kids yeah. find it irrelevant. And some some people doesn't speak to them, you know. When the, when the rabbi is yapping away about something about the parasha, they <laughs> they it's hard match for uh, the Xbox or the, it's not a uh, not even close to any of the other fun that they might have elsewhere, you know, doing other stuff. So it's and it's it's you know it's irrelevant to them. No, but it is the responsibility of the rabbi of the community to make things. Interesting to make them love, and to make them enjoy, to make them happy, to make it exciting, to make Yiddishkeit, mm-hmm. you know, alive, alive. To to, you take a look, you know, you see Chabad houses all over are attracting more and more people because they dance and they sing mm-hmm. and they and they, and they they give nice kiddishes and they good good and they do a lot of stuff. You know, there's a lot of socializing. There's a lot of and it's like, you know, it's a, it's, 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 it's a good feeling. I don't mean only Chabad, but I mean people that realize that you got to create <coughs> a very warm, a very exciting atmosphere. But if it's just a very, uh, you know, uh, this, do this, do this, do this, and you don't give it any meaning or you don't give it, you know, an energy. Uh, Chais. So the Rebbe says, this is what's meant when we talk about the past rabbis on before Pesach, that's for the spring and the summer, and before Sukkot, that's for the fall and for the winter. The rabbi sort of needs to give their creation, has to give them that inspiration on the path to the mitzvahs. What is a road? A road is not the goal the goal the road leads you you're trying to get to a city that's the place where you're trying to reach what is the goal the goal is the city that's where you want to get to but the question is how do you get to the city so you got to go through the road and the road will get you to the city so Rebbe explains that even though the road for Yiddishkeit the road for Yiddish guy to get you to do the mitzvahs, to get you to come to shul, to get you to come to a class, to get you to do something. The goal is to come to the class. The goal is to do the mitzvah. The goal is to physically do all the 630 mitzvahs. But what's the road to get you there? The road to get you there is that inspiration, that love and that excitement and that good feeling. That is the road. And that's what the Rebbe says is the responsibility of the Rabbis to create. I mean, of course, you got to do it all year round. You can't just do it once a year. But the main, the main times to do that is on the Shabbos that precedes Pesach to give you that inspiration, to give you that that, that um, the um, story, the story told about the Shneur the, uh, the Alta Rebbe. You know, the story told about it, uh, that he once went into a shul in which uh the people who were there were praying very very quickly and they were schmoozing in the middle of the davening and they were you know they were, didn't look too serious of a group but you know they davened and everything else but it wasn't you, know, you stop by that shul over there but when he left the shul he sort of left a compliment like a he said to his followers you know this shul is full of prayers you know i mean they were like How would the rabbi say such a beautiful compliment for such a non-seemingly deserving uh, congregation? How would he say that? And and the rabbi said uh, later explained. He says, "Well, you didn't really get what I was trying to say over here. You know, usually it says that the prayers and the mitzvahs we do are like the body, the um, kavanah, the intent." Love, the fear, the knowledge, the excitement. They're all like the wings. The Ava, Yira, one wing is the right wing and, and the left wing. Those are the wings though so to keep. You know, like the the bird was once complaining to Hashem. He says, Hashem, he says, so heavy, you know. Hashem says, I'll put you I'll give you a pair of wings. Oh, he says, what you do? You made me even heavier. He says, he added them. He says, No, those are not heavier. Those are the wings that you can fly and go much higher. It's not that, it's not your, your, your misunderstanding what's going on over here. The level of just opening can weigh down. It doesn't go. What's the purpose of our prayers? The prayers' purpose is that they should go on eagle's wings and they should sort of rise to Hashem. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't stay in the shul, they should go above. If there is no love, there's no fear, there's just uh, Hashem, there's just. Okay, so you create prayers. But what happens with those prayers? They just get stuck over there. What Dr. Rebbe was saying, he says the shul is full of prayers. You know, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they're stuck down here. We need those prayers to go up. So it wasn't a compliment, it right. was the opposite of a compliment. Uh, but that's why um, when we come to uh, the Seder of Pesach and we come to celebrations, and usually, you know, people are celebrating Pesach, and they are in a good mood, and you know, if it didn't snow, that would help us get us to the mood. It's kind of hard to get into the mood of Pesach with all the snow out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just doesn't feel like spring. It says that God took the Jews out in the spring because that's the most beautiful time to leave. It's <laughs> not too hot yet, it's not too cold yet, and it's not snowing. Right. <laughs> Well, we still got like eight days, but even in preparation, it's hard to get sort of who you you say. Is it really Pesach in a week and a half? You know, I mean, is it really Pesach? I mean, it doesn't seem like it. But yeah, the Pesach is coming, and Pesach will be. But that's a good time to sort of you know open yourself up, open your heart and your mind to become excited about who we are, what we're, what we're doing, about our Yiddishkeit, about our special privileges to do this seder to drink the wine, and uh, <laughs> to uh, eat the matzah, and to um, do all the other traditions that is uh, involved with the Seder, and with uh, generally with the um, with the holidays, and um, you know, we say at the end, L'shot haba Yerushalayim. What does that mean? Next year. Next, next year to in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Why next year in Jerusalem? So we like to say that. Why next year? Why about this year? Yeah. Oh, You want to wait for a whole year? right away. No, next year. So the the, be explained what it means is, the next year's celebration will take place in Israel. We're going to go there right away. We're not going to wait. But the the celebration next year will be in Israel because this this year's celebration is already done. But now, we can say L'Shona HaZeh, not next year in Jerusalem, this year in Jerusalem, because we haven't celebrated yet. So hopefully that will be actually, But it's a time of freedom. It's a time of freedom. It's a time to, uh, to uh, follow what you said. It's a time to free yourself also from your own, uh, maybe all year round. It's hard to get rid of the Chomets, you know, hard to get rid of it, so... Okay, so a little bit at a time. But now is an easy time because it's Pesach. And Pesach is the time of freedom. And we always have to remember, it says, for Pesach we have to remember God passed over our homes, protected us, We had a lot of bitterness, that's why we eat the murder. and the matzah shows that God redeemed us, took us out quickly, Pesach, Matzah, murder took us out quickly, we didn't have a chance for the bread to become chametz, you know, so that's why now is Pesach, now is the time. So uh, there's an expression of the previous Rebbe, in most Haggadahs, how does the last words of the Agoda after Shana Babi Shalayim? What do we say? Then you say the Chagadia, right? Then yeah, you say yeah, the, yeah. the there, no, no. last words is Chasal Siddur Pesach. Yeah. Chasal Sidr... I think, I'm not sure because we don't have that. We're going to tell you that. In the Chabad Agoda, we don't have that. Chasal Siddur Pesach means we've completed the order of the Pesach. But in the Chabad Agodas, you don't have those words, end of the Siddur Pesach. And it's explained. Because the Pesach Seder doesn't end. <laughs> because we actually continue it into the year. So the matzah and the experience we have on Pesach should not sort of finish, gone, done with, over with. But said Seder Pesach, no. Not finished. We're going to keep it alive and we're gonna keep it that, uh, that 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 that's alive. And Hashem should help us all that we should be free. Free of worries, uh, imaginary, real worries. I mean, sometimes, you know, free of problems. Yeah. <laughs> free of problems, but so that you don't have to worry. Yeah. Not even so much freedom. No, yeah. But freedom also means you, could, you we live like people. We have the problems, we have life, but it shouldn't pull us down. Right. We're not we in slavery. Right? Not in real slavery. We're, but we're in a slavery that we enslave ourselves. And we,